You're listening to the Quality of Love Podcast, your home for all things love, relationship, and mental health. Hosted by nationally certified life and relationship coach, Tyrone Dixon. Sit back, relax, and get tips on creating the life you deserve without wasting any more time. Welcome to the Quality of Love podcast. I'm your host, Tyrone Dixon, nationally certified life and relationship coach, husband, father to two beautiful princesses, and CEO and founder of A Rose Through Concrete Consulting. Thank you guys for taking the time out to listen in with us tonight. We really appreciate it. You guys have made it to another Wednesday. That means you guys got a, another question and answer episode coming your way, followed, or I should say, before we do that. We're going to get into our, our quote of the week, of course. But before we do that, shout out to my main man, Curtis Chaplin, uh, who's doing big things over at Option Zero. I got to shout my boy out every time I get the chance. Uh, him and my other guy, Saran Miller of Humble Fit. These guys are doing amazing things in the community. So I want to shout them out. Uh, they have or we have. Uh, I am a part of the board, so I got to stop saying they. We have um, done a, a three week program for the inner city youth here in Syracuse, a summer program for the first time. Uh, we kicked it off three weeks ago, and it's been going really well. So shout out to those gentlemen. Um, we're going to keep pushing. We're going to keep spreading positivity amongst our youth in hopes that they uh, they have a better future. All right, so shout out to Option Zero. Shout out to Humble Fit. And uh, let's keep working, fellas. Shout out to you guys. With that being said, everyone, our quote of the week this week comes from a woman by the name of Carla Harris. If you don't know who Carla Harris is, she's the CEO, um, or actually, I wouldn't say CEO. She's a, a high-ranking diversity executive uh, for Morgan Stanley. I invite you guys to to go on YouTube right now, and or after, of course, after the show, go on YouTube and, and watch some of her videos. She's an amazing woman. Uh, her her speeches are very very uplifting and empowering. Most of her stuff is geared toward women. But uh, there's a ton of value in her speeches. So I encourage anyone who's listening to my voice right now to go check her out on YouTube. But this quote comes from her. And the quote reads, if you don't speak up, you place a target on your back. Once again, that quote reads, if you don't speak up, you place a target on your back. And that quote is by Carla Harris again. Um, and I heard that quote actually a few weeks ago when I was doing some research on diversity, equity and inclusion. And it, it just really, really stuck with me because the more I interact and the more I engage professionally um, and also personally, quite frankly, I realized that the people that don't speak up or the people that don't use their voice especially when opportunity presents themselves, end up being uh, pushed to the wayside or looks to be presented as someone who will accept or take anything. So if you don't use your voice, in my personal opinion, I'm just playing off of that. If you don't use your voice, I believe that it places a target on you and it places a target on you negatively. And that target usually implies that you're willing to accept things that you don't really want to accept. But because you didn't say, no, I don't want to accept this or no, I won't be doing this. You uh, you place that target on your back. And now people, especially when you're talking in terms of employment, people will take advantage of you and use you in ways that you don't want to be used just because you didn't speak up. All right. So if you don't speak up, 
You place the target on your back, Carla Harris. Question number one from our relationship and mental health side of things. How can you get your dating groove back after a breakup? Once again, that question is, how can you get your dating groove back after a breakup? I think when it comes to kind of getting back into the swing of things, I call it, in terms of dating, you have to learn first learn to heal from the breakup, right? So that's learn to accept the things that you did in a relationship that may have been wrong. Learn to accept the things in a relationship that your partner did that may have been wrong. And ultimately, uh, come to terms and come to grips with it. Once you've gotten to the point where you're healed uh, pretty close to 100%, I don't think you you ever really heal 100% from some breakup. So I won't throw that out there or project that type of energy. But when you feel like you're mostly healed from your relationship or you're from the breakup, then I would start to to put myself out there, not stay away from the dating apps. I've, I've heard a ton of bad things about the dating apps, not in terms of the dating apps, but put yourself out there in, in terms of somebody who's open to starting to, to look at the dating world and, and starting to being able to know what they want out of a person. And before you do that, I would invite you to create a list of exactly what you want out of an individual, right? And then also with along with that list of exactly what you will want out of an individual and out of a relationship, be sure that you're willing to accept and step up to the mantle and understand that the things that you want out of a person in a relationship, you must be doing or be practicing yourself as well. Also, I would add to that creating a non-negotiable list. You guys have heard me bring up non-negotiable lists so often on this podcast, but I really believe in them as a foundation to creating the lasting relationship that you want. So I've created a non-negotiable list of things that you absolutely do not want in a partner. And as you start to date and as you start to engage with people, I would put them up against that non-negotiable list if they cross boundaries or if they cross you um, in terms of your non-negotiable list, that is, I would have a conversation with them about it. And tell them how it offends you. If they then continue to display that behavior, you'll know that that's not someone you're interested in dating over a long period of time. All right. And then ultimately, when it comes to getting yourself back into the dating world and getting back to the groove of things, give yourself some time because depending upon how long you dated that person and how long you were in the relationship, there could be so many cultural norms and cultural shifts. So give yourself some time to adapt and adjust to the new dating world. I think you'll be fine. Question number two, have you ever broken up with someone because of their income? Once again, that question is, have you ever broken up with someone because of their income? Um, I have not personally ever broken up with someone up with someone because of their income. Um, I've I can honestly say that I've been fortunate enough to have been in relationships and to be in a relationship now. Um, thank goodness that is financially stable um, and I didn't uh, necessarily have to fight over income in any of my relationships. With that being said. I certainly am not naive. I'm a relationship coach, so I'm well aware of the fact that when it comes to income, that's one of the number one hindrances to marriage, right? And it's one of the one of the biggest factors when it comes to breakup as well. So I definitely understand it. Um, If you're someone who, excuse me, values income 
at a high at a high rate, right? If that's something that's high on your list of things that you want in a relationship and in a partner, I would invite you to have conversations with that early and often because when it comes to money, things are ever changing. Um, financial situations can go from extremely well to dire, depending upon if someone is placing all of their eggs in one basket in terms of just relying upon employment. I don't care where you're employed, who you're employed by. If you are working for someone else, then there's always a chance that you'll get let go or fired. And that could drastically change anyone's income. Right. So um, unfortunately, fortunately for me personally, I'll say I've never been in that situation. And I'll say, unfortunately, for those that have been in the situation, it can be tough. But I would invite you to have those conversations about finances as often as you possibly can. And if someone isn't quite matching your your criteria in terms of what you think they should be or where you think they should be financially, then there's nothing wrong with breaking up with that person because finances is a huge need within every relationship. You need that security, that sense of security when it comes to finances in order to be able to be your authentic self and live and think creatively. Question number three, what makes people cheat in relationships? Once again, that question is, what makes people cheat in relationships? I think boredom is the number one thing that I've seen over my relationship coaching journey. Uh, Boredom really, really strikes me as a huge factor in people not not, um, wanting to be faithful in relationships. And I've I've expressed this in the past. I've been there as well. When you you have that feeling that the grass is greener on the other side, um, and you feel like, oh, okay, maybe I can kind of dip my toe into this water and, and have my cake and eat it too. It's a real sensation. It's a real thing. And ultimately, I believe the more you allow those type of things to play on your mentality, the more you're opening yourself up, you ultimately become more susceptible to engaging in cheating. Right. But boredom is one thing that I would say. The other thing that I would say that I've seen quite frequently in a significant number of people is not knowing what their needs are or not feeling like they can express their needs to their partner in a manner that will will get their needs met. Right. So instead of being expressing themselves, they automatically um, assume that their partner will have a certain response to uh, um, a kink they have, a sexual desire that they have, anything like that. So instead of having a a conversation with their partner, they usually go behind their partner's back and engage in that kind of activity with someone who's more open and willing. So um, all centered around communication, if you ask me, I think we all have our kinks and we all have our little things that we enjoy. And if we don't communicate our needs to our partner, um, boredom and uh, not being able to healthy communicate our needs in a healthy manner leads to cheating in my personal opinion, right? And communication, communication is the biggest thing. But when it comes to communication, it's not only talking to someone, it's being receptive to dialogue, right? So if you are in a situation in which you are thinking about cheating, have a conversation with your partner about the needs that you have that are not being met in a relationship at the current moment, And if you're the partner in that situation, be receptive and understanding to what your partner is saying, because there are a lot of people that would just go behind your back and cheat. Question number four, 
My ex who ended it says she misses me and regrets her decision, but is currently in, in a relationship with her ex at the same time. Why is she doing this? Question number four again. My ex who ended it says she misses me and regrets her decision, but is currently in a relationship with her ex at the same time. Why is she doing this? I think this woman sounds emotionally all over the place. Um, just the thought, as soon as I read this, when you sent it to me, the first thing that I thought was that um, how can she be missing her ex and she's with her ex at the same time, right? So this woman appears to me uh, to be in, in a place where she has not emotionally come to terms with what she wants and maybe even who she needs at this or who she is at this time because she's uh she's hopping from relationship to relationship so she hasn't had the time to really heal and to really identify her needs and what she wants and needs out of a, a real healthy relationship if i'm in your shoes what i would do is i would i would have a conversation with her and i would say just as i said hey i understand that you you may feel this way but i feel like right now you aren't in the place in terms of being emotionally stable to have a relationship with anyone. And I would invite you to um, take some time to heal, take some time to find out who you are, what you like to do and the things you enjoy engaging in. But right now I just can't do it. And that's how I would pretty much leave that conversation because if you, um, I wouldn't even say fall into a trap because I don't I don't think people are always setting you up in terms of a trap. They just really are emotionally all over the place and dealing with a lot of emotions and don't quite know how to process them. But I feel like if you engage with her in any manner um, that may lead you to think that there's going to be a healthy relationship and there may be a chance of having a healthy relationship before she gets herself together. I really think it's just a setup and uh, it'll it'll leave you in a place where you're emotionally drained at the end of the day. Question number five, how do I respond to my boyfriend after finding out from my ex that he got back with his ex? Once again, that question is, how do I respond to my boyfriend after finding out from my ex that he got back with his ex? Sounds like a lot going on there, um, but I would start off by just having a conversation with him. You don't know. You don't have to necessarily let him know who your source is, because I think letting him know who your source is might open up a whole nother can of worms. But um, have a conversation with him and let him know that, hey, listen, this is some information that I heard. These are some things that got back to me. Are they true? Uh, what's going on? Tell me how you feel. And then as, of course, you ask that question, be be open and understanding and to receptive and receptive, excuse me, to the fact that that uh, you might you might hear something that you don't want to hear. Right. Maybe he does miss this girl. Maybe he does want to be back with her. So um, be open to understanding that and open to being cool with the fact that he was man enough to admit that. Right. Because at the end of the day. You don't want to be in this relationship with this gentleman, no matter how happy he appears to be. And he's thinking about another woman. And finally, question number six. Why am I thinking about my ex-wife? Once again, that question is, why am I thinking about my ex-wife? I think we, you, you, you again, this might, you might not want to hear this, but you, of course, had some good times with this woman. Right. You you got to be real with yourself and embrace those emotions. Although she is your ex-wife, 
um, at the end of the day, you married that woman and, and you married her for a reason. So there's some love there. Um, I would embrace that, embrace those memories and those thought processes, because the I believe personally, the more you don't embrace those thought processes, the more processes, the more they overwhelm you um, and the more they kind of kind of overtake you. And you get to a point where you are now where you're seeking external help with that thought process. Like, OK, what's going on? Why is this happening? Why am I thinking about this woman? I find that that happens quite a bit. When people are trying to avoid the thought of someone, right? So when you don't want to think about your ex, whether that's your wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, whoever it is, the more you try to push the thought out of your head, the more the thought kind of seeps into your head and it becomes uh, overwhelming to you uh, before before long. So embrace it. Recognize that. Yes, she's your ex-wife, but there were some good times that you guys had, some good memories that you share. Allow yourself to dwell on those memories from time to time and then move on from there. I know that sounds easier than than it, it can be. And I know I'm not in your shoes right now, but I can assure you that over time, you'll realize that on, the only thing your your mind is doing is showing you appreciation for that relationship. All right, let's touch on this insight from a former narcissist. Question number one, how do you get a narcissist to want you? Once again, that question is, how do you get a narcissist to want you? As um, I probably that that's honestly, that's the first time I ever heard a question like that in, in my entire life. But if I'm being frank, I am not surprised that a question like that has presented itself here on the Quality of Love podcast, because a narcissistic individual can be very, very charming. And I can understand the 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 appeal and the allure that comes with wanting wanting to have that individual in your life. So, frankly, um, I've agreed to answer all questions received. So therefore, I, I must answer this question as reluctant as I might might be. If you want a narcissistic individual to want you um, and to desire you, you would have to feed into their narcissistic ego, right? So you would have to always compliment them and tell them how amazing they are, how great they are, how much better they are than other people, how much better their ideas are than other people's ideas, including yourself, by the way. Uh, when I say other people, you are included in this other people category. Um, you would also always have to place that person's needs above yours and make yourself available for that person at all times and essentially develop a codependent relationship where you are strictly dependent upon this person. And, um, you know, and they know and are well aware that you are 100 percent dependent upon them in some way, shape or form in your life. If that's the life you want to live, then those are the people that narcissistic people are attracted to because they know that no matter what, you'll always believe their lies. You'll always believe um, that they're better than other people when they're not. And the world tells them differently. And you'll always essentially feed their ego. And those are the type of people that are labeled as supplies because they uh, supply the narcissistic individuals needs and feeds their ego. I do not recommend it, but of course, that is what would get a narcissistic person to want you. Question number two, would you call a person crazy for falling in love with a narcissist? 
Once again, that question is, would you call a person crazy for falling in love in love with a narcissist? No. Um, as stated before, as uh, multiple times on this show, narcissistic individuals are extremely charming. Um, they, they give off a certain aura. They give off a certain appeal. Uh, they're the people when when they walk in a room, a lot of times people gravitate to them because they have money or they're perceived to have money, power um, and high levels of respect. And of course, they are also charming. So I I would not call anybody crazy for falling in love with anyone. Um, the love is a crazy thing. It's just it, it's one of those things that hits us from time to time out of nowhere. So I wouldn't call anybody crazy, especially in terms of falling in love with a narcissistic individual because they can be extremely charming and it's hard to resist charming people. Question number three, how is a narcissist spiritual, but still deceitful and sadistic? Once again, that question is how is a narcissist spiritual, but still deceitful and sadistic. I think that's a that's one of the things that the narcissistic individuals do really well is hide all hide who they are, right? So um you will see um unfortunately a lot of people who claim that they're spiritual or spiritually inclined that are narcissists, right? Think of the pastors that you may have seen in the past who who stole from the church or who bought these elaborate things yet didn't give to congregation or didn't supply needs as the church is supposed to. Uh, it happens unfortunately from time to time, but people who pretend to be spiritually inclined that are narcissists, um, can do it really well. They, they become extremely adept at, at hiding behind their spiritual nature. Um, and their spiritual facade is what I like to call it. Um, when inside deep down inside, they're deceitful and sadistic, like, any other narcissistic individual, right? When they close, get home behind closed doors, those are the things that they can't hide. And those are the traits that they can't escape, right? So if you know it, I wouldn't put too much time or, or thought into exposing this person. Um, the more people spend time around him, the more they'll, him or her, that is, the more they'll see it. And I, I would invite you to create distance between you and this person, if possible. Question number four. Why does a narcissist hate you so bad after they discarded you from a breakup and you haven't done anything? Once again, that question is, why does a narcissist hate you so bad after they discard you from a breakup and you haven't done anything? I think that's that's a part of the the baseline characteristics and behaviors of a narcissistic individual. They um tend to make decisions and rash decisions like breaking up with a person or breaking up with you in this case. And then they become mean as if you did something to them or as if you treated them wrong. And in most cases, the only thing you did was hold them accountable for their actions. I know it can be tough to be viewed upon as a bad person or be talked down to, uh, especially if you guys share a circle of friends, but don't worry about it. If you're away from this narcissistic individual um, then that's the biggest blessing that you can ask and that you could possibly receive because you no longer have to deal with them on a regular basis. They are going to continue to talk bad about you. I'm going to be frank about that because that's just one thing that they do. Narcissistic people, especially when you expose them, they tend to talk bad about you and want you to suffer because you cause them a, a great deal of suffering, whether they admit it or not. 
because you you know who they are and you can call them out on some of the stuff that they've done and they continue to do to people. Question number five. What are some of the most common phrases narcissists use? Once again, that question is, what are some of the most common phrases that narcissists use? Uh, you'll, you'll hear them at the beginning of a relationship say things like, oh, you're beautiful, I love you, you're handsome, intelligent, smart, all of the things that quote unquote butter you up and make you feel really, really good about yourself. Um, towards the the middle of the relationship, I'll say, um, once they start to kind of feel like they have you under their wings, you'll start to hear things like, uh, that was dumb or dumb decision. No, that was smart or uh, passive aggressive type of language like that, where it's like, oh, really good decision or really good idea on that one. Oh my goodness. Wow. Oh my gosh. Those type of things. And then as they get comfortable with you, you'll hear things like, them outright calling you out names like it could be uh bees in terms of uh swearing they could call you that uh they can call you dumb stupid tell you you will never amount to anything and that's when you know once they hit that level and they start to um use some of those phrases that are really really hurtful and really really are really designed to cut you in some way shape or form um that's when you know they're full-blown narcissist and you've you've entered a relationship with a full-blown narcissist. Finally, question number six. Why do narcissists, narcissistic abusers say that their victims are always stressing them out? Once again, that question is, why do narcissistic abusers say that their victims are always stressing them out? I think that's a, a way of deflecting um, some of their, their negative energy and the hate towards themselves onto their victims when narcissists say, oh, you're stressing me out or this situation is stressing me out, it's just simply a way to to make you feel bad about the things that are going ne negatively in their lives. If you are in that situation, again, as always, I would invite you to get out of a relationship with a narcissist if you can. If you are a child or if you're someone who's in a relationship with a narcissist that you know you can't get out, then I would invite you to discard those type of terms and discard them when they start to use that language because it's just a reflection of how they feel on the inside about themselves, right? So the world is stressing them out. Life is stressing them out. And they're just taking that negative energy and projecting it on you. Right. I would invite you again to get out of the situation, but I'm not unrealistic in knowing that some people just can't get away from narcissistic individuals. That's all we have tonight, guys. As always, remember, you guys are more than welcome to hit us up at TQLP20 at gmail.com with any questions that you guys have for our Wednesday evening episodes. Once again, that's TQLP20 at gmail.com or feel free to hit us up on our Facebook page the quality of love podcast. And remember guys, as always the quality of love and relationships that you have in your life will determine the quality of your life. Peace and love.